0: Meet Bob Olson. Bob's the author of Answers About the Afterlife and the host of Afterlife TV. A private investigator who began investigating life after death in 1999, Bob now records his interviews with experts, authors, and people who've had extraordinary experiences so he can share it all with you. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. You can find us at AfterlifeTV.com. Uh, This is where we search for evidence of life after death and ask the meaningful questions around that subject. Today we're going to be talking about uh, continuing your relationships with your loved ones in spirit. You know, we sort of talked about this in other interviews with, let's say, David Cain. You might remember Dave Kane. He he, uh, communicated with his son, Nicky, who had passed uh, in a fire in Rhode Island. Bill Guggenheim. Bill Guggenheim, not that far away uh, from that interview here, Uh, he talked about his book Hello from Heaven and the 12 categories of uh, after-death communications, a term that he and his wife Judy coined uh, many years ago. And then Mark Ireland also, uh, he lost his son Brandon and um, has been in communication with him in various ways. Today we're going to, today's a little interesting, Uh, it's a little bit different, uh, and and you'll find out why as we get into it, and our guest is the author of this book here, we'll show this more than once, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, just the title alone makes you wonder what that's all about, and the author is Annie Kagan. Thanks so much, Annie, for joining us on Afterlife TV.
1: So nice to be here with you, Bob.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'll let everybody know we had done this uh, interview already, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know why, whatever, you know, um, f- the first time that this has ever happened, the audio uh, recorded and the video didn't, so I thought it was such an amazing interview, so here we go, we're going to do this amazing interview all over again. It's kind of hard to show, to, to just put an audio up uh, when it's Afterlife TV, it's not Afterlife Radio It's not Afterlife Audio, it's Afterlife TV, so here we are again, and so if anybody's wondering why we seem like we're best friends, I think we are, because we know each other so well now.
1: Yeah, very relaxed, nice, lovely.
0: That's good, that's good, and uh, so, all right, here we go. I'm going to start right off and ask you a little bit, um, if you can tell us a little bit about your background before we even get into the story, uh, because uh, it's a great foundation foundation for what we're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, well, I was a chiropractor, I was always very interested in science, I became a chiropractor, I was working in New York City, and um, after some years I began to find that working with people who are very stressed out and in pain became quite stressful for me as well, and I decided to learn to meditate to remedy that situation. But there was a strange side effect to my meditation which was i became hypersensitive Mm -hmm. and now going to work became more difficult instead of easier and also living in new york city in the heart of new york city which i had loved Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. noise and the pace and all the stimulation just became overwhelming for me so I decided to sell my chiropractic practice Uh and sell what I had and leave my very lovely life behind, and I found a very small secluded house on Long Island by a bay. I had no idea really what I was going to do with my life. It was pretty scary. Uh I went back, though, to writing music, which I had done when I was a teenager, and I had no idea that um, my life was setting the stage for a great adventure to come.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. Um, you know, you talk about uh, how meditation seemed to open up your sensitivity, you know, really as an empath is the way I hear it. And But, I, you know, I wonder, do you know, has this happened with other people that you know, you know, meditation is sort of causing this? Or do you, are you the only person, because you're the only person I've ever heard of that sort of happening with, where, you know, the meditation actually you know makes you more sensitive
1: well I would say that uh, one thing that people don't understand about being a doctor first Mm -hmm. is that um, it is you do are exposed to a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty and a lot of the doctors that I know that are kind of strong and hardy body workers as well Mm -hmm. um, and more detached actually have an easier time of it. And I think that the particular meditation I did, and also, here I was, a New York woman, you know, shopping at Barney's, doing my Pilates, uh, having a great time, and all of a sudden, I started meditating three hours a day.
0: And why were you doing that?
1: because it was so incredibly satisfying it was i was you know focusing on this particular meditation it was focusing on inner light and the sounds of the cosmos mm-hmm. and i it was just trans- transported me and and i think that the amount that i did changed mm-hmm. me and also perhaps it was just as someone told me it was just my destiny yeah. to you know to lead me on another
0: path, certainly. Uh, you know, I, and I have to wonder. Forgive my ignorance here, because uh, yeah. my curious mind. But I wonder if you know, being empathic, m- m- brings you into want to be, you know, what I would might call a body worker. You know, wanting to do help people in this way. Um, and yet, uh, you might have been too sensitive for it all along. And then, the more you did it the more you recognize that you couldn't do it anymore and meditation might have become your solitude, your, you know, your rescue remedy, uh, you know, to, that you, you clung to in order to just get through until you finally recognize, you know what? I can't do this work anymore. Uh, is it possible?
1: Absolutely. And also I wasn't, um, I used to work on people for 45 minutes. It wasn't just, cracking their neck, it was a lot of energy work, uh, it was a craniopathist, so I would work with the, uh, moving the bones of the head and the cerebrospinal fluid, and also, you know, think of it, my, a lot of my patients were very, uh, high-powered New York types who were very stressed out, and, and so, you know, you're in this small room with this energy, mm-hmm. and you're moving their energy around, and, uh, I, and also I think being very compassionate like when I tell if I if I run into a patient now and and I tell them how hard it was for me they're mm. shocked yeah. because I was so bare when I was there yeah and like I say you know sometimes the people who are you just think of a great surgeon yeah a great surgeon is removed
0: right right That's right true. you don't
1: That's want true. them you know, being too compassionate when they're working on you. They need some distance. So, yes, I think what you're saying is, is very true. And in a way, it just shows that, um, you know, something that seems like a problem and difficulty that didn't work out can lead you someplace wonderful.
0: It really, and it certainly has. Um, uh, I, 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 I relate in that you know, and I'm sure a lot of our audience members relate as well. I mean, we have a lot of psychics and mediums um, and, and they call themselves all sorts of other things, you know, intuitives and sensitives. And, but uh, we have a lot of people in the audience who, who feel as though they're an empath in, in one way or another and, and probably can relate, you know, when I say, you know, if I go in, into, if I go to a party or if I go to a concert or you know, a sports arena with lots of people around, I tend to be exhausted when I get home. And, and even uh, when I go to the chiropractor, I love my chiropractor. Um, she's wonderful, but she works on two people at the same time. When I first started going to her, I would, I would be laying down and there would be, you know, some stranger who was, you know, feeling horrible and a lot of pain and complaining a lot of, about, uh, you know, their life. And I would just pick all that up. Um, and, and, and I felt worse when I left the chiropractor's office than yes. when I started. And, and finally I had to tell her and she, uh, we then started setting up my appointments with my wives. So that, and then that didn't happen anymore. Now I leave, I feel great. So, you know, I, I can kind of relate to that, and I bet you you know... You know, it's a
1: real thing, and and when when I heard about it, that kind of thing happening, I was in chiropractic school, and I poo-pooed it. It's like, oh, come on.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, you're you're going to pick up energy from your patients? Oh, come on. And then when it happened to me, I was completely shocked and blown away. Yeah. But we do. We all pick up energy, and, and I think... Um, even higher energy that I've been picking up now from the book, you have to balance that as well. So I think what you're saying is a great point to like think of things as energy and energetic and how it affects you.
0: That's right, and the the more we learn about these subjects you know the more we recognize that everything is energy now tell us a little bit what is this book about why don't you start there because what a fascinating story it is and uh and and just tell us the beginning how this all started for you
1: okay well i love uh in your email to me you call it a a true spiritual thriller
0: yeah it is and it
1: is because it's 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 a great mystery and um What happened was my brother was uh, unexpectedly hit by a car and killed and um, I was completely grief stricken, barely get out of bed and then three weeks after he died it was my birthday and I was sunrise and I was waking up and all of a sudden I hear Billy talking to me like through as if there were a hole in my ceiling, and I heard him outside of my head very clearly, going, "Annie, Annie, it's me, it's Billy, get up, get up." And I'm like, half asleep, and I'm going, "Oh God, I must be dreaming, Billy, because you know you can't be here; you're dead." <laughs> and then he said, "No, no, I'm here. Get up, get up, get get a notebook." And when I got out of bed and got a notebook, and went back and started writing what he was saying, I knew that I was awake, because I was moving around. And then, he, the first thing he did was assure me that he was really wonderful, nothing painful for him, because he had been hit by a car, and so that was very traumatic. Yeah. And, you know, when, when someone dies, dies violently, you have a lot of concern. So he said no. As, as soon as he was hit by, by the car, he didn't feel pain. He was drawn up a beautiful chamber of silvery lights that healed all the pain he had suffered in his entire life. And that he went up the chamber. He saw my dad in the chamber who was joking around with him, which would be what my father would do (laughs) on the other side, and then he was born into a divine universe where the light had characteristics of compassion and kindness and love and understanding, and he was drifting through these beautiful galaxies, and then he said, you know, Annie, in his bad boy way, you know, death is really unbelievable, actually, it couldn't be better. So, don't take death so seriously, and remember, we will meet again.
0: Hmm. Well, so, what what an incredible birthday present, first of all. (laughs) Yes. Um, And this is only three weeks after his passing. Uh, Obviously, you're in deep grief. Uh, I'm sure that you must have questioned, you know, is this just my imagination? You know, something that I feel like I need? Is this a dream? What kind of things went through your head?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, when he was actually talking to me, and always when he talks to me, I'm in a state of euphoria because his voice carries the energy of his world Ah. to my world into me. So I wasn't feeling grief while he was talking to me. I was feeling bliss. But then after... When he leaves, yeah, I'm never skeptical when he's there okay, because it's okay. you know it's too amazing. And then when he left, I'm I'm like, this is how could somebody be talking to me from another dimension? How could my you know bad boy brother, the last person who I I would be expecting to give me this beautiful vision and this uh, expanded uh, cosmic secrets, Billy? How could this? how could this be happening maybe maybe i'm going crazy <laughs> yeah. maybe well not like i'm going crazy cuz i'm not crazy but maybe somehow my grief is so enormous mm. that my my mind is is like inventing this to make me feel better so i was very skeptical and i was going to find out if he came again you know because i i'm very scientific and i need to know the truth and I'm, now if he shows up again, I'm going to be very skeptical, and I'm going to ask him a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> so certainly. I kept,
1: that, I kept that little notebook near me at all times. Oh, just in case.:
0: I don't blame you, I don't blame you. And uh, I, I think a lot of people would have thought the same thing. you know. It's not uncommon, you know, from my experience, uh, even my personal experience, you know, we have these amazing experiences, just like you say, while we're going through them. Uh, this, there's a sacredness to them and and then um, and then after them our mind gets in the way and you know and, mm-hmm. and, and our mind starts to question everything and uh, even when I after my first reading with a psychic medium I, 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 I had so much evidence because it was a three hour reading so much evidence that came through um, it was undeniable. And, but and it wasn't the next day, but it was over time, over a certain number of whatever days or weeks. Then I started to question things, and I needed another reading, and so and I'm sure that you were like, "Oh, gee, I hope he comes back because, yeah."
1: Oh, he comes back because I'm gonna really check him out. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, you know, he comes back, and the same thing happens in terms of. The energy is so strong that I'm no longer doubting him while it's happened, happening. But the interesting thing was he knew I was doubting him. Because on the second visit, he said to me, you know what? I understand this is really weird for you. And I'm, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to prove to you that this isn't just your imagination, that it's really me. And he did. He proved to me over and over again that um,
0: he was real. All right. Before we get to that proof, because I want to talk yes. about that. Before we get to that, one thing I want to mention is uh, the first time he came to you, I remember reading in the book that you know you, uh, you were waking up. You were sort of in the waking sleep state. Uh, do you think that helped him be able to connect with you in that way? Very much so. Okay.
1: I think your, you know, your mind isn't so prominent. Yeah, you're more into your intuitive, uh, lower brain functioning, and I think that that was very helpful. Do and I remember I, correctly? I think that has to a
0: lot of people. Yeah, right. And do I remember? Uh, cor- <laughs> yes, I, even in even for me, a big, you know, I, I have no ability, um, but but even for me. Um, I've had some weird experiences in that sort of either falling asleep or waking up, you know. I, I remember one time <laughs> I was falling asleep, and all of a sudden there was this face. Like, I saw this face coming at me and, and yelled, Bob! And I woke me right up. I'm like, whoa, what was that, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's it's an amazing state for them to be able to communicate with us. You, uh, He came to you... If I remember correctly, that's sort of how it started off. Even, even some of the preceding ones were still in that sort of yes. after you woke up or as you were waking up type of state. And then over time, you were able to do it at other times of the day. Is that right? Correct. Were you ever, a, would you, did you ever consider yourself a psychic or a medium before? Had you ever taken any kind of classes to be a psychic or medium?
1: No, just meditation. But um, I was talking to an expert in the field the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know uh, Margaret Wendt, who, who was on TV, and she knew George Anderson. We were talking a little bit about you know why this happened to me, yep. and I yep. realized that um, I've been dealing with invisible and energy all my life because when you're a musician, right. music is invisible. Yep. It's energy. Yep. It's a vibration. Working with people's bodies is vibration. Yep. Meditating yeah. is energy. So I think that in a way, I, um, I've been working with energy all my life. And also, I've always been super sensitive person. Billy even says that to me. You know, I was always the sensitive one. I was always a very, you know, sensitive, aware type person. But, uh, but I, I never was psychic. And
0: yeah. <laughs> and when you first started, uh, you know, w- There's all the different, you know, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience. You you originally started just hearing him, correct?
1: I heard him. I heard him not telepathically. I heard him outside my head really clearly. Hmm. And then, you know, he goes through different stages in the afterlife. And as he gets deeper into the afterlife, he communicates in different ways. So at first I heard him clearly. Then he went into this phase where he was more formless, and I would wake up and I would see this beautiful blue blue golden orb of light, and I would look at it and focus, and then I was able to hear him and his words were very drawn out then later on, as he went into the deeper realms, he started I started to be able to hear him like through the top of my head and then I was able to even get some glimpses of him sometimes when he got more form. So it always was changing.
0: Yeah, all right. Um, let's – I know people are like, the proof. Don't forget the proof. Uh, we're going to get there. But um, <laughs> what I do want to mention, too, first of all, I want to mention, this is um, this is not your young little brother. And, and, and you know, I, I mentioned a couple – of interviews I've done, Dave Kane, Mark Ireland. You know they lost their sons, and and, and and it's not that uncommon that people who have sort of had these experiences, something not really like yours, very often, though that has happened. Uh, usually, you know, people are communicating with their their children, their deceased children, through mediums or something like that. But um, but you, when you see a book like this, usually it has to do with a child. We're not talking about a child here. Uh how old was your brother when he passed?
1: Billy was 62.
0: 62.
1: He was 62 and he was my older brother. He was my um bad boy brother. And I call him that because ever since I'm a little girl, Billy was known as the bad boy and I was the good girl. So I was the good student, you know, the talented one. And he was the one who was setting fire to the school cafeteria. <laughs> so, you know, but when I, when I really say that in the subtitle, I mean it in, in a very glamorous kind of way. Because even though he was the bad boy, mm-hmm. I always idolized him kind of. Like, he reminded me of James Dean in that he was rebellious and he made his own rules and he lived life on his own terms, even though he had terrible addiction problems Mm -hmm. all of his life. And in a way, now that he's talking from the other side, he's still kind of a bad boy. It's not, right? It's not the usual um, communication. He's funny and charming and he breaks all the rules, so you know, I thought it was really important to get that in the title to explain. Like, if you show the cover of the book, that's really Billy. He's, you know, the the his energy. Hi, Billy.
0: was Billy. You
1: know, that was Billy. That is Billy
0: jumping up uh, in the air with enthusiasm for life. How old is he there?
1: Oh, he was 17, and he just got his first motorcycle.
0: <laughs> got his <laughs> first, first motorcycle. I love that. I got my first motorcycle. Where are we? Ah. All right, um, that's great. Now you also mentioned the addiction uh, issues, and and I think it's another thing that makes uh, this book special is that it also covers those issues, and and one of the things it covers about those issues in a almost a subconscious, very subtle way is that. Uh, despite whatever bad boy things he did, despite whatever challenges he went through, he was having an afterlife experience that any good, you know, good girl, <laughs> the good girl <laughs> yeah, sister good girl. would expect to have. Um, and 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 it was a wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous experience. The way he describes it, correct?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really, really important aspect of the book. Is that he he taught when he talks about his life, he goes through several life reviews. And in one of the life reviews, he says that, um, you know, people would judge him, people would look at him and say, You know, what kind of a crazy life did you have? But he said, You know what? I loved my life because it was like a rock opera, and people's lives they need more music. And, um, actually, he said that he is. He went to earth to explore drug addiction Uh Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we should never judge somebody because we don't know what they signed up to do. And who are we to judge anybody? Because we're not in their shoes and we don't know their path. And that's a wonderful, wonderful lesson that, that I've learned. Like, I don't know what anyone's doing here. And also he says, you don't even know what you're doing here. You know, we all have these theories of what we're doing and how life should be. And, you know, if I just think this, my whole life will change. And he's like, nonsense. We don't know. Life's a beautiful, wonderful, mysterious impulse to be tasted and released. You know, so I've become a lot less judgmental. And Mm -hmm. I think that people who have addiction problems should be less judgmental of themselves.
0: Yeah, Yeah, right, right. that's right. right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm hearing myself (laughs) echo. One thing that uh, is recognizable in this story, you know, is that that Billy lived a a, a lot. He lived a lot. He lived a lot of life. Um, You know, some people who play it much safer than Billy did. don't have as many experiences, you know, because they're playing it safe. He certainly did not play it safe, um, and a lot of people maybe did, you know, judge him in different ways because of the way he lived his life, but he certainly lived a lot of life. Is is that sort of the right picture?
1: Oh, yeah. He lived life. He loved life. And actually, he loved people. He loved nature. He... he you know, he had a lot of music in his life, and I think that he encourages us all to follow our dreams and most of all, not to live our lives by other people's beliefs. He's, he's really strong on that point yeah. that, you know, clean out your belief system. That, you know, he. when we're on earth, we need some beliefs to guide us, but make sure that your own beliefs, Yep, Not yes. something. Don't he? How does he put it? Don't don't go running around. You know, fulfilling other people's ideas, mm-hmm. and also, you know, what's really helpful to me is he talks a lot about the shadow side of life. Okay. So he says, you know, because I, the good girl, am always waiting for life to be perfect. If I just do X, Y, and Z. Everything will be wonderful one day. That one day, that wonderful one day will come. But, um, you know, sometimes I have a beautiful time. And he taught me that, you know, life on Earth is a world of duality. And you, you can't have the sea without the storms. You can't have the wind without tornadoes. You can't have the Earth without quakes. And so... You know when the shadow comes along it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong it's just the nature of life so so embrace it and guess what enjoy yourself as much as you can anyway and I do that now you know I try to be more like the bad boy
0: yeah well I mean that's nice and and, and did he talk about regrets did he talk, you know from that from that side of life. Did he talk about regrets uh, at all?
1: Yes, I regret to say that he didn't have any regrets. He
0: didn't have any regrets. (laughs) It would
1: be nice to be able to say, oh, he was repentant or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, he says that he kind of... Now, now, I think that this is one of the differences between near-death experiences and what Billy's reporting. Mm -hmm. Because... A lot of near-death experiencers, when they're talking about their life review, they talk a little bit about, you know, when they cause pain to other people, they, they feel the pain sometimes. Right. And Billy says he has a very Buddha view of his life, where he's detached, he's watching it, it's fascinating. He gets to go down all the different roads, he didn't get to live, so in other words, you know, if you're in love with someone and you don't get to marry them, you get to see what that life would have been like. Mm. If you wanted a different career, you get to see what that would have been like. And then he says, but you know what? It's kind of getting boring looking at all this stuff because it's much more fascinating being here in the now, in the moment. And you know, he takes us all into the moment, and that's that's what I love about it. It's it's not about good and bad and regret. It's really about energy and vibration.
0: Well, you said you said a lot there, right? Um, a lot I wanted to comment on. But you know, first of all, you know, every near death experience is different. So it, that's what's great about it. You know, some people do. Um, do talk about feeling a sense of regret from things that they did and, uh, and others talk about there's no regrets and and everything's just an experience. Um, sometimes though, whether it be, um, when you're talking about the life review, whether it be someone who had a near death experience or, or if it's someone communicating with a loved one through a medium, we'll say, and getting those messages about the life review and feeling regret. Um, Sometimes I think it's for the consciousness of the the receiver, you know what I mean? So when a me- when it's coming through a medium, sometimes I think the consciousness of the per- the pers- the the surviving loved one, the, the family member who's still here. Uh, can only maybe handle so much and that's the, the reason it comes through in that way. They're, they're giving them wonderful messages and teaching them about the spirit world but they know if they try to go from A to Z it's just a little bit too much or even A to M you know so to say that you know there are no regrets and everything's just an experience just makes a few people's heads explode um, <laughs> Well I think
1: um, you know that's that's a really interesting point And I think that one thing that's a little different between this experience and near-death experiences, or when somebody just dies, is that when you have a near-death experience, you're coming back to your body and you're remembering it.
0: Right. Right.
1: And it's through your own belief systems and through your own body and through your own lenses.
0: That's right.
1: But Billy, if you you know, if you could read the book and you look at the proofs and you think, wow, this really could be true, Billy's there and it's in real time that he's giving the information. And um and I think that possibly people have regrets if they're gonna come back because you know, they wanna be a better person while they're here.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Billy's going on. He, he he's he keeps going on. And um I don't know, like I don't really understand it either. Uh-huh. It's 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 pretty mysterious to me and he does say that, you know, you can't really understand it until you go to the other side because, in a human way of thinking, it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, it's not possible. It's, you're right. I mean, no matter what we're interpreting, whether it be you through, you know, what Billy's telling you, a person who's had a near-death experience and comes back here, we're interpreting it, interpreting it through the human mind, and, and you know, there you go. Some of the most, some of the people who have described their near-death experience, uh, I, I think, most accurately, just constantly are saying. I really, there are no words for me to accurately describe what I'm about to tell you. Um, And so, and this is what I love about doing this, uh, the show, is that we get to hear all these different experiences, including yours, and people get to make up their minds for themselves. And when I talk about the level of consciousness, they get to make up their minds depending on where they're at, you know.
1: Totally. And well what i what what's so interesting to me in this journey that I'm on now is you know how controversial it is to say that divine consciousness is much better than the human mind, like we all want the other side or the divine source to be like us, yeah instead of a healing you know all loving uh Entity or, or energy that's right, so that's right. you know to say that um, It's a place of healing God is all about healing it's very controversial it's, it's much less controversial to say God is angry and you know Spiteful or vengeful yeah, So yeah. you know that's a that's a good lesson to learn is that our mind is not the larger consciousness. That's yes. not how you connect to it.
0: Well, exactly. And I will say, I'll say now, and I and I mean this as a compliment. I, I read maybe the first third of this and everything was right in line with, with many people who, who I've interviewed or on camera and off, you know, I, I started interviewing people about near death experiences long before I started doing it for afterlife TV. But, um, everything was like right in line with everything. And then as I got into the next two thirds of the book, there were so many things that went in different directions, very crazy. Like what I would consider, wow, that's just crazy, you know, in a, in a positive way. But, but that even challenged me, you know, I would be like, Oh man, you know, that's, that's, I don't know. you know, and then I had to keep reminding myself, this is, this is what it's all about. This is what I'm all about to show people different ideas, different possibilities so that everyone can make up their own minds. So and 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 so then I started to get excited about the things that Billy had talked about that were very new to me, you know, like very like I uh, you know, I even might have been skepticism about but you know, there was a time when I didn't believe in the afterlife, and so there's a lot of new stuff in here that allows people to sort of see things in a different way. And again, we keep repeating this, but it's so important: decide for themselves. You know, if all I did was interviews where we would just everybody was saying the same thing, same thing, it would, in one way, it would make people feel very comfortable, right? Oh, it's all the same; everybody's saying the same thing. And now, we don't grow that way, you know? Right, and I, and I think that. Um... Billy's talking from levels
1: that maybe haven't been talked about before.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Sure. And, and you know, they're they're um, they're all about evolution. It's all about the soul evolving in ways beyond the super world. Oh yeah, I think that that's really important. Like Billy, Billy mentions this place that he calls the super world. And that's the place most of us think about as the afterlife. So you meet your relatives and, you know, there's a certain degree of learning and things are a little bit familiar. But he goes way beyond the super world into um, different realms where, where the vibration is much, much higher. And I think that that might account for some of the really unique, Things, But every Absolutely. time he gives a unique thing,
0: he also gets proof. Well, he, yeah, he gave proof. Again, we'll use that word proof. Proof for you. Proof for you. Um, <laughs> because, uh you know, uh, we all, again, we all get to choose for ourselves. And what's proof for one person might not be proof for another because it's subjective, right? Uh, and we discussed that in the last one, but important to, to mention it again here. But it's evidence, and evidence is what we're looking for, is what we... You know, afterlife investigators, uh, spiritual detectives are all looking for. You call yourself a uh, cosmic detective, correct? A
1: cosmic detective, because he proved it to me in ways that I just couldn't doubt anymore that he was real. That's right. And okay. what I try to do in the book is I try to take the reader by the hand and let them come along with me on the. Ex- it, into the experience so that they can you know learn themselves and see what it was like to have this experience and you know sometimes sometimes Billy would be dictating something to me and you know that's also was a different thing is when he dictates to me it's really fast and complete (laughs) I'm sitting there writing and, and my part because the book is a conversation between the two of us my part, I labor over it. I sitch and I put this word here. You know, it's it's very very different. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when when I'd be writing, I'd be thinking, "This is too fantastic. I'm making this up." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I myself was skeptical, and then he'd put a clue in it. Like for example, in the writing, he'd say something like, "Now I'm receiving a great blessing. I'm receiving the blessing of." Hotep, Hotep. And I have this mystical feeling in my third eye from this blessing. And, um, and then I'm saying, okay, he has me look at Hotep. What is Hotep? And I, I Google Hotep, and I see that it's, it's the first word of an ancient Egyptian blessing that was given to people in the afterlife before they were given the divine nectar. And that was exactly what was happening to him. So for me, every time that would happen, it would almost be like a sh- an electric shock went through my whole system. Yeah, because yeah. I was also skeptical. How could this be happening, right? yeah. yeah. And then he would, he, he would tell me these things, and the clue would turn out to be correct. And then my entire system went on overload, and I was like, I got cleared out of of certain ideas that I held.
0: Yeah, right. Well, and that's it. I mean, again, we, we keep talking about near death experiences, but that's it. So people with near death experiences they only go so far before they turn around and they have to go back. And I understand that they they ended up with a, a greater knowing than what they actually experienced. But uh, what we're talking about here in this story with Billy is 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 he continues well beyond you know. Well beyond someone's re-entry into the into the afterlife or the spirit world, whatever you want to call it, um, and continues to go on. A lot of people will talk about the different levels and um, uh, that that our spirit goes through. And um, so, anyways, he, he gets into those. I don't think he calls them levels, but he, he, he bas- does definitely goes through different experiences as he's going through there. I just wanna I want to go back and ask you. You you said divine nectar. What is divine nectar?
1: Yeah, that's pretty deep into the story. He uh, receives something that he calls divine nectar when he's in um, the realm of the golden cave. Okay. He's, okay. he's in, a, in a beautiful golden cave with, actually, with a, a very high divine being. Okay. And okay. there's a, a beautiful stream of nectar. And on the stream... There are the flowers of his, all his past lives are there. Okay. And okay. he's offered to drink this nectar. Mm-hmm. And, it, and his, his bad boy way, he says something like, wow, you know, I'm barely ready to drink, but I'm going <laughs> to drink. Because as he's going through all the realms, his vibration is getting higher. You know, yeah. and and as he drinks the nectar, I don't want to spoil the story, but yeah, he's no. able to go on to to like a higher realm. Yep, it
0: enables him to go somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. All right. That's great. Uh, do you find as you as you're communicating with him uh, that the higher the realm he goes, it's more difficult or easier to communicate with him? For you
1: you know it it depends on the realm I think that as as the journey went on he Mm -hmm. gave me exercises to to help balance this world because you know sometimes people tell me oh I'm so envious and I say you know that you had this trip and I'm saying oh please don't be envious because it was very hard especially at the beginning because you know, people who have near-death experiences say it was hard to come back to this realm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm going with him and coming back, what if Raymond Moody calls me like I'm a, like a walker between the worlds mm-hmm. in, in the forward. And so towards the end of the book, he would give me these wonderful exercises to do. Like one thing was, you know, I would lie down and he would have me picture, you know, red lights going from a navel deep into the earth and my feet into the earth so it actually became much easier for me even though it was deeper because i i was used to traveling back and forth
0: yeah yeah okay all right um all right we'll, we'll get to where we promised um you know we did talk about some of that evidence that that uh, that that turned into proof for you um that billy gave you to, to help prove to you that he was really there why don't we give a couple examples of some of the things that that he gave you that you couldn't possibly have known about otherwise?
1: Yeah, we'll start with a a small one that happened at the beginning. I didn't tell a lot of people about Billy in the beginning, and uh, one of the people I told was my friend Tex who whose life he affected really greatly through the through the course of the book. And uh, one morning, this was the first time that he spoke to me that it wasn't dawn, And I was making something to eat in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, I hear his booming voice again coming from the ceiling, which was quite shocking because I wasn't expecting it. You know, tell Tax, show me the money. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, okay. And uh, I call my friend Tax I said, I know this sounds really nuts, but Billy says, show me the money. What does that mean? She says, oh, my God, just, oh, this morning I was, you know, we were all wondering. Text me, whoever I told, you know, just the handle. Is Billy real? Like, what's going on? It became a mystery for all of us. And she said she was that very morning, she was by the beach walking her dogs, and she looked up at the sky, and she says, Billy, If you're real, give me some kind of a sign, would you? And then she came home. She got in the shower and when she got out, she was thinking about her her screenplay. Mm -hmm. And she was dancing around the mirror with her towel going, show me the money, show me the money, show me the money. And then she gets out of the shower and I call her and I say, Billy says show me the money. What does that mean? So we both pretty Flipped out. Yeah. And, um, you know, later on, he actually writes a letter to Tex from the other side um, to help her. It was a really important letter for her to get. And her brother, Pat, had been killed when she was a teenager in, in a plane crash. And her last, she has her last name, which I won't say, but Billy said, and this letter is from. Patty Malone and all the people on this side of things that love Tex. So I called Tex and I say, Oh my god, Billy wrote a letter from all the people on the other side who love you, but for some reason, you know, he was talking about your brother Pat. He said, But he said, Patty Malone, that, that's not your last name. And she said, Oh my god, my mother's a Malone. And my grandfather's name was Patty Malone. I didn't know that. So, you know, that's the kind of thing psychics do. But that's not something that I would ever do. Right. You know, that was stunning to me. And then, of course, um, I think the most dramatic story that uh, people can understand and identify with is a story about my husband, where um, my husband wasn't feeling well, and we weren't very concerned because he had just had a checkup about a month and a half before, total physical, but he was having digestive problems. And he went to the doctor, the doctor said he was fine, he gave him some antibiotics, said it was just a bug. Mm-hmm. And I got up the next morning, and all of a sudden, in a really wicked voice, Billy says, "And Steve is really, really, really sick." And then he laughed in this horrible way, like Vincent Price would in a horror movie. And I was so upset and angry, like, "What? What are you doing?" He never did anything like that, and is this really Billy? This is scary. I don't like, this is the first time anything was ever scary. Yeah. And I don't like this. You know, so I didn't want to tell my husband because he believed that Billy was real. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I just had this funny feeling. Why don't you go back to the doctor? He goes back to the doctor and calls me and says, doctor says, I'm fine. Nothing to worry about. The bug is just hanging on. And while I'm on the phone, again, I hear Billy like laughing, like evil around the ceiling. Like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah. And I said to my husband, you know, why don't you just go to our general practitioner doctor, you know, just go there. I don't know why. P.S. Goes cardiogram, not good, Hmm. and uh, the next day, he's in the hospital preparing for open heart surgery.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow.
1: Didn't have a heart attack, so no damage to the heart. Great. And uh, how do you explain that?
0: Uh, In in, in that way, I mean, Billy saved his life, you know, and you you as well, because you trusted in what he said to you. Uh, How does Steve feel about that? Oh, did you ever? T- well, he knows now. Obviously, well, he knows now. Oh, of course! I yeah. told
1: him as soon as he was in he the did. hospital. Yeah, but, yeah. but one of the most amazing things that I love is that in, in in the last years of Billy's life, his addictions were really bad, and I, and I was dealing with them for a long time, and I wasn't able to. I, I was getting sick uh, from trying to help him and not being able to. Right. And my husband Steve. Took over the job of helping, and he made sure he had some money because Billy was homeless at this point. If he wanted to go to a hotel, if he wanted to eat, whatever it was, Steve was the last person who helped Billy. Yeah. And now it was like Billy came back and returned the favor. It was awesome. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Really, really beautiful.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think it, it would be hard anybody would be hard pressed to not uh if that happened to them in their life to not consider all of that proof you know proof i mean wonderful and and this keeps you going right i mean as you're going through any skepticism yeah. that you're having it's these kind of things, even the stuff like the stuff you had to google and then you found out it was a real word or whatever you know yeah. that keeps you going and 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 it just and you keep getting it you keep getting these these little things that he's telling you about other people he's getting these things you have to Google and you find out they really exist it's like
1: uh, well you were a detective and uh, you know I felt like I'm waiting for one of these things to be wrong Uh, over and over again he just proved to me in these fascinating little ways that made me a cosmic detective that
0: he was real. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so nice about. It. I I I have a friend named Phoebe um from England and she had just one of these things happen one time. Her her husband of 35 uh he was he was 35 years old, died and um and she was just walking along and 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 she felt like she was sort of having a conversation with him in her mind. She heard her own voice, but she felt as though it was him. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. And um And finally she's just you know she she was skeptical and so she said tell me something that I don't know you know so that I can know that you're really talking to me and and so the next thing she hears in her head uh, is your mother wants to buy a new blue dress you know so she next time she sees her mother she asks her about it and her mother says oh yeah I've been going to this store uh, you know and looking at this blue dress and I can't get myself to buy it. But I just keep going back there and I can't get myself to buy it, you know? And it's that yes. that changed the way, you know, it helped Phoebe trust that she was really communicating, you know, with with her husband David. And and that was just one example. You had so many of those.
1: Yeah, and you know, in his book uh Bill Guggenheim, yeah. Hello from Heaven, he he has a very particular a category called evidentiary after-death communications where you're given uh, information that you didn't know that proves to be correct. But here's the really important thing. It's not so much just that Billy's real and that, you know, what it really means is that if Billy's real, if these communications, and many, many people have them, Oh, my God, if you look on my Facebook page, in three months, I have something like 25,000 people. Right, And they want to share their stories because, you know, our society, it's a little taboo in our society to have these experiences. You know, people will tell you, like, you're crazy or, oh, that's not such a big deal. But it is a big deal. And people want a place to be able to share it. Yeah. And, um...
0: I forgot what I was going to say. I I do that all the time, so don't. (laughs) um, So, I mean, what's wonderful about that, first of all? I know,
1: I remember. You got it. You got it. All right, here we go. It was good. It was. It was important that you know when when these people are reaching out to, to us, they're comforting us. They're trying to help us with our grief by saying we still exist the love still exists and guess what we're eternal you're eternal yeah, it yeah. really goes beyond just the little message it goes into you're an eternal being you have a soul and all the implications of that yeah yeah well i mean that is be- that's
0: beautiful and and you know um, is there anything that we haven't covered uh, I think that's a great way to end it. But if, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to, to to say to people? I mean, obviously, there's so much more to this story than what we've even been able to touch upon. But is there any is there any one message you know for our audience, whether it be for the grieving or or for the spiritually curious or, or what have you, um, that that you would want to leave with us that we haven't touched upon yet?
1: Yeah, I think my favorite thing that Billy has taught me is that every cell in my body was made on a star in a supernova, literally. This is not poetry. We're, we're forged from stars and the same cosmic intelligence that runs the universe beats our heart, breathes our breath, heals our wounds, we're magical cosmic creatures. And by, by looking at, at photos from the Hubble telescope, which I do a lot now after he told me to do it, you know, those mysterious, wonderful galaxies and, and, and dust clouds. And then, you know, close your eyes and, and imagine that they're inside you and all around you. Forget about your problems for a moment and become like a cosmic being. And doing that changes you. Yeah. Many yeah. people have reported how how expansive they become. So I love that. Like you're made of stars.
0: That is beautiful. And, and and how many of us have not looked up at the looked up at the stars and and just you know had a. a just felt a strange connection with, you know, the oneness uh, of all that is. Uh, my last interview, Don Miguel Ruiz, you know, had an incredible epiphany that changed his whole life uh, by doing that, by looking up at the, at the stars.
1: Wow, and Carl Sagan used to say, you know, why why do we feel that way when we're looking up at the stars? Because it's a longing to return to our origins.
0: Mm, that's beautiful. That's great. Well, that is a great way to end it. Um, I do want to ask your website, uh, the Afterlife uh, not the afterlife of Billy.
1: Afterlife of and please go to the Facebook page. Um, on the Facebook page and the website, you could download a free chapter. And oh,
0: nice.
1: Get, get a little taste. and um, Barnes and Noble, Amazon' it's available. Okay, and uh, thank you so much for having me as your guest.
0: Well, no, it was my pleasure, and I, 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 I just want to uh, nail down. You know, if people go to your Facebook page, one of the great things is you you give little quotes from the book um, regularly.
1: Very uh, quotes with photos, very inspirational, and actually, what's happened is. Conversations, all these conversations about the quotes and and people's experience that they had with the book, because people feel that they kind of have a spiritual experience when they read the book, and yeah. it's different for everybody. So yeah. I highly recommend the Facebook page to get yeah. a little flavor of what's going on here.
0: <laughs> me too, me too, and we'll have links for that all below this video. And, um, and the last thing I'll mention. We're gonna put a little, uh, at least a link to it, or we'll put the video down below. That's a, it's a little promo that uh, a friend of yours had done for the book, a little three-minute uh, video that I think people will really enjoy as well. So they'll, they'll know what that is all about and get a better sense for the book if they're, if they're wondering about it and, 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 and still thinking, you know, is this something for me or isn't it? Um, that might help them. But anyways, Annie, this is just, uh, this has been great. I, I'm thrilled to have been able to interview you twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it was fun each time.
0: And uh, and maybe in the future we can have you back and you can talk about new things that have happened uh, since since the book has come out and uh, different things you've learned and all that. I, I, I really okay. enjoy it.
1: That would be great.
0: All right. Well, Annie, thank you so much again. And I bet, wish you the best of luck with everything.
1: Thank you, Bob. You as well. All
0: right. Bye-bye now. Bye. That's all for another fantastic Afterlife TV episode. Bob couldn't be happier. If you enjoyed this episode as much as Bob, please leave a comment on afterlifetv.com, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. And don't forget to check out Bob's book, Answers About the Afterlife. Thanks for watching Afterlife TV.